Good morning, good evening, wherever you are across the world. This is your host Ian, and you're listening to Ianisms, a simple, no frills, straight talk podcast about society, art, entertainment, culture, movies, pets, a little bit of geopolitics. And so today I'm going to dive into a slightly tricky conversation, if you will, and slightly as in we are regular, ordinary citizens, and so we have limited view. And so all of this is based, quote unquote, the limited view. Yes, in case you didn't guess it already, I'm going to talk about the controversy surrounding the recent BBC documentary about Prime Minister Modi and Godra riots. And so if this is a trigger warning for you, if this is something that is not your, your cup of tea, it doesn't float your boat, pause and exit. Let me tell you what stance I'm going to take up front so that you don't invest your entire morning, afternoon or evening listening to the whole thing and say, ha, had I known this, I wouldn't have listened to this, right? So my stance is fairly simple, as is been all episodes in Nihonism, right? It's a regular, ordinary citizen's point of view. I do not have any political affiliations. I'm not inclined to any particular ideology. And so this is just whatever the information is in front of me and what I interpret of it. Right. So if that is not acceptable to you, I humbly request exit the podcast right now. Alternatively, if you are one of someone like me who's just curious as like what the hell happened here? What is going on? And so I'm going to be absolutely my approach is going to be out of from a curiosity standpoint versus the available neutral, objective, factual information that is presented in front of me. The stuff that I don't know, I don't know. Right? So I can't help uh, in that aspect, right? So with all these disclaimers, I hope I'm able to you know, set the context correctly and set your mind correctly. I know some of you are early morning walking and thinking, okay, this is a heavy topic. Listen to it in the night, right? And if you're listening in the evening or the night, then this is the perfect thing for you. Okay, on that note, let's dive in. Okay, so I'm not going to go through the entire tragic and difficult details of the riots. But if you zoom out, let's see objectively if at all that is possible. Is that a dark chapter in our history, modern history? Absolutely, yes. There were crimes committed, atrocities done, not just for those two or three days of the actual act of violence, but multiple months after that as well. Lots of people on either side killing each other and lots of innocent people got sucked into this and died along the way. Some of these wounds will probably never heal any generation. It'll probably take a long time. You know, we often hear this cliche that you know time is the best healer. While it is, but I think they need to predicate it with one word, which is it takes a long time to heal. There is no instant gratification and in the larger scheme of things, if you have lost your near and dear ones, even think of those people who have lost their near and dear ones uh, to an accident. That itself is very tragic. But if it, somebody has been brutally tortured, uh, raped or murdered, then those are lifelong mental scars that just don't go away. So my heart goes out to those set of people who lost their lives or got injured in in the violence that accrued now th these are the difficult and very sad tragic facts that we know of now what was behind it who triggered it who planned it is completely conjecture 
It depends on which side of the belief system you are in. For those who believe that uh, it was uh, the proper, the state-sponsored terrorism, uh, quote-unquote ethnic cleansing or something on those lines, then they will bring out a set of facts which you will find it very difficult to contest. On the other hand, the other set of people will say this is a spontaneous reaction to multiple other events happening in the country which went out of control and they will present a set of events and facts then they will also add to the story that the the highest court of the land the law of the land the honorable supreme court also and along with many other independent investigations and everything there was the jury was divided whereas the honorable supreme court uh discharged the claims that mr modi was in person not there in that meeting or not directly involved in in the or behind these events and so until that gets proven otherwise one will have to respect honor the supreme court's judgment there and so these are the facts given to us as a regular quote unquote less informed individual in the society for those closer to the political arena they understand the story much better so my thing is what do we or where do we go from here right given that there is a documentary which has been published in the united kingdom which talks about an incident about our country an unfortunate tragic incident in our country do they have a right to showcase what they want to absolutely yes but then if that is a propaganda if that that it comes across as uh, showing a lot of factually incorrect point of view is that good for the country i don't think so i think the argument that let's address the elephant in the room right so people are asking what's the big deal if somebody wants to air a documentary which is not popular to the current regime it's a democracy freedom of expression and so if you have not done anything wrong why worry about it that's the question they are posing on the other hand we also know that in matters of national politics or global geopolitics there is so much that we don't know remember we are fed what we are fed you know, it almost sometimes feels like you know we have become the, the like that mushroom you know kept in the dark and fed with bs and so sometimes we just don't know right one narrative is uh, peddled very strongly the large part of see the intelligentsia is also divided right there are those who are who have who excel in critical thinking there are those who have a neutral objective point of view and then those who are emotionally swayed so if there is a provocative documentary shown to these three different set of people the reactions and responses will also be very different is it not we already are hearing about you know cases of violence in campuses and universities where students are defying the ban on screening this documentary and getting into trouble now freedom of expression is is where the whole debate is all about that as in for today i'm not revisiting what about the actual riots or the incident the godra incident 
I'm trying to focus on where we stand in 2023. So freedom of expression, which definition do we follow? Do we follow in its literal, literal definition? Like you can say anything and everything to anyone. It's my way. Does that work? In fact, say for example, even in the United States, arguably one of the or some of the Western countries as well, where freedom of expression is paramount and people can and actually say, but does it mean that everybody is happy? I don't think so. Does it mean then, on the other hand, before you know, some, some, you know, <laughs> the impatient ones will jump. So are you suggesting that we abandon freedom of expression, then we become just mere mute spectators? No. Then, okay, so if you can't take the extreme view of freedom of expression that you, whenever you want to say anything to any anyone without being circumspect or respecting the other person's sentiments, uh, then the other extreme is keep quiet. No, then how do you become a balanced person? That, how do you know what is the right balance? Is it possible to be in the balance? Because no matter what I say will offend somebody. Somebody's chicken is someone's burger, right? And so it is going to offend somebody somewhere. So can we control that? I don't think so. And so is it better that we uh, lean on towards the absolute definition of freedom of expression? Yes, we should. But is that that theoretically, practically, is it possible? Let's again, let me dive in a little bit. Think of the cultural diversity that is, say, in China versus, say, in the United States versus there in India. China is at completely one end of the spectrum, right? There is no religious discrepancies, apparently, other than the Uyghurs there, which, quote-unquote, is a complete different ballgame and we'll probably have an episode on that later. But their problems are in the minority and not in the majority. In the sense, the number of problems related to freedom of expression because they have taken the other extreme stance of saying the party will be the freedom of expression. Nobody else has it. So that's an extreme way of saying, listen to me. End of story. Don't get intelligent on any conversations and they're regulating and monitoring it. So right or wrong, let's not go in there. That's what their stance is. What is United States' stance? And when I'm saying United States, I'm saying large part of the Western world. They are a very civilized, developed, progressive society. Okay. There is religious tolerance at a much higher level. It is often, if you ask some of the economists or the top economists or some of the philosophers as well, they'll tell you the countries that have done exceptionally well economically are low on religious expression and those who are struggling financially are high on uh, religious expression. Now, India is, how do you then put India? India is arguably the fifth, but arguably it is the fifth largest economy in the world. And so by that, that logic, our religious affiliations or religious inclinations should have gone down, but it hasn't. So in India's case, both of them are in rising in, in unison, if you will. 
which is not the case in many western worlds which are economically developed and financially doing very well and so their religious dependencies or expressions are quote unquote relatively low all of this is debatable i before anybody you know flips out because we have seen religious and communal violence happening in united states we see the rise of the far right in in the european union and so on and so forth right so i won't get into the details there but you know what i'm talking about think of sweden think of denmark think of uh, many other scandinavian countries where uh, because of all the refugee crisis and all those things are happening and so my thing is then are they also not paying the price of freedom of expression and so in their countries it is still slightly lesser to fight with because the law of the land and the accountability is far higher now in india we have 28 states at least 16 official languages 350 dialects and 3000 other languages different taste and preferences cultures belief systems different gods everything is different and so in fact you know people must be wondering across the world how does such diversity even you know be under one umbrella and that's been our strength that despite all this diversity we have managed to retain the country as one now that can happen if we fall back on some ground rules of engagement aka constitution and so strictly speaking if we follow and execute I mean, constitution is a very well respected well thought through document there have been amendments over the years which has made it little more tighter and stronger than what it originally was and so now if there is that framework in place then the law of the land the belief systems should have followed that but as it turns out has it followed that in its entirety no part of it is organic part of it is coming from external forces disrupting the country see it is and i'm a complete outsider here but it is i won't be surprised if someday we come to know that there are dedicated people who their only trip in life is to disrupt the peace and tranquility in the country right uh, there are people paid to do this kind of job and so and and those are the external factors which then overlap into the internal factors there would be some people who would get agitated they have been done wrong or some thing and so getting provoked has become very easy in fact in this day and age and this is nothing to do with india alone probably it's a global phenomena if i am not exaggerating even if you have an ice cream that could lead to a major <laughs> incident right look at the way the, the, he's having the ice cream here people are dying they can't even have a glass of water and they are licking their ice creams away to glory and the other party would say a man or a woman or a child is has a right to have an ice cream whatever they way they want what's wrong with it so then and bear with me right i'm i'm trying to give you a simplistic analogy here so then who decides the right way to have an ice cream the majority the minority because if you go by the majority majoritarian point of view then the minority is upset they kare why you why should we have it this way we want to have it the other way around 
But if you go and listen to the minority, then the majority will say, this has been our land. We've been having ice cream for eons the same way. How can some somebody come and tell us not to have it this way? And so people will fight. And they're going to become big leaders then in different nations and the nations will fight. Right? That, that's the fundamental problem that who's willing to give an inch? Is it going to be you? Is it going to be me? Who's going to give in to compromise? Who will agree to let go of their point of view? And that, my friends, is the crux of the problem. Where nobody is willing to let go of their point of view or accept that, okay, let this person have. Because there have been instances where when someone has taken the higher ground, has been taken out of the ground. <laughs> Completely taken for a long, hard, bumpy ride. Uh, so much for taking the higher ground. Likewise, when many people have, you know, dug in deep into the trenches and fought it out and said, they have also figured the fut futility of this ongoing and continuous fight. So what's the solution? We discussed about the problem statement. What's the solution then? Well, there has to be a uniform civil code. A okay, the same ice cream analogy, right? Whose uniformity are we going to believe? You know, objectivity. How do you bring objectivity in the middle of the headquarters of diversity? It's an incredibly difficult puzzle to solve. It's very easy for people from outside to comment that India should be like that and ought to be like that and all that. When you come down and you have to respect such a huge diversity, who every single person, citizen of the country has a right to their personal belief systems. But there's a national belief system as well. And somewhere people have to bridge that gap. That yes, I have my personal belief system, but I have to follow the national belief system. And national belief system, if it is argued that it has to be from a majoritarian point of view, and the minority will say, then why not have our three points included in it? Then we go back to the same discussion we had back in 1947, I mean, 1936 actually, when the first uh, debates seeded in the minds of Mr. Jinnah that why don't we have a separate nation? You don't want that, right? Again, to repeat, in this day and age, you want the country to be together. So somewhere, the majoritarian point of view have to accommodate the minority point of view and somewhere, the minority will have to accommodate the majoritarian point of view and come to this happy coexistence. You don't need to overtly fall in love with each other, but you have to happily respectfully coexist with each other, which means the freedom of expression has also to be slightly circumspect. You cannot randomly say anything to anybody. This is not infringing your freedom of expression. It is being respectful. It is being mindful. And there is a common sense angle to it. You, If you want to misconstrue this as restricting someone's ability to express, well, that's what works elsewhere. This is India and the context changes and there cannot be, it cannot be one single definition of freedom of expression which is applicable to the whole world. The question is, should there be one? Think about it. Should there be this uniform definition of freedom of expression, universal? I mean, whatever is applicable in the United States is applicable in India, should be applicable in Afghanistan, should be applicable in Syria, should be applicable in China. Would countries agree? I think not. 
And so by sheer virtue of this basic common sense, my inference is even something as open, as simple as having a freedom of expression has its limitations. And we have to find out ways and means to make peace with that. Lest we continue this uproar, this imbalance in society and peace for another few generations. Till someday the futility of all of this will suddenly hit upon someone and say, what the hell are we doing? Can we just not reset the whole thing and live a happy, peaceful coexistence? I don't have the answers, but I can have a wishful thinking. That's the best that we can do as ordinary citizens. I, The way I see it, that there will be a market correction. And I'm using this term slightly loosely, if you will. What I mean by market correction is when things go to awry, right? There is a way the system resets itself. And there will be a time when my sense is things will get reset into normalcy the way it is. The, all the excesses that happen will become lesser and all those people who have had been suffering, they will have a better life. That's my hope as well. It's And that's my wish as well for our future and next generations. There is so much else and so many other things to do, like explore space, like explore green energy to have uh, more happiness, have more music around the world there's so so much of stuff to do rather than fall back on age-old hurts and sentiments and they've happened right the question now is how long do we let it happen how long do we let old wounds fester when do we draw that threshold and say yes let's now move on so the day we all collectively decide that or if it resets on itself i sense that we'll have a better future. Well, that's all the time I had for this episode. I know it's been a tricky and a difficult episode because even, you know, when I'm having this conversation with you, I, I am thinking as well. And I'm like, I've always mentioned like, you know, we are a work in progress. We think something which we believe today and tomorrow when we are presented with a stronger opinion or a different set of facts, then we kind of change our point of views. Those things happen and that's called evolution right what we did say 20 years ago hindsight is always 2020 so when we look back is how stupid of me to think of that way it can happen however we have also had instances when we have looked back and said ha huh, i was smart there i think i was the common sense hat really worked and so if any of you have been impacted or affected by this conversation my apologies the intent was just to have a non-rhetorical, simple, no-frill discussion, that's all. The idea is to see if we can heal, forgive, and then move ahead in a more safer and better place, Not if not for us, for our children and our future generations. Keep listening to Ionisms. Please do share this with those who care to listen to some slow burn, non-rhetorical conversations like these and uh, invite them over. Uh, do leave a comment on my social media handles on Twitter or Facebook. Leave me a voice message. You will see a link below. Um, and I'd like, love to hear your thoughts. What, what do you do as per your common sense uh, subscribes or prescribes uh, to what 
ideology, what school of thought that what else should we do? It's very easy to criticize, but very difficult to become a part of the solution. So what are, what is the probable solution to have a better life for everybody moving forward? Love to hear some of your thoughts. So till we meet the next time, stay well, stay safe and take care of yourselves. This is your host, Ian. You are listening to Ionisms. Peace out. <laughs>